Thank you for the warm welcome. Um, it's weird getting that kind of applause at a place that you feel like is home. So uh, if you want to know how I just felt, uh, imagine somebody was cheering for you when you walked into the kitchen <laughs> this morning. That's kind of what it felt like. So kind of good, but kind of weird. So I love you all. I miss you. Uh, if you don't know me and I don't know you, I still love you. Uh, because you are who we were praying for when this congregation started. I got to be a part of the initial launch team for Sterling and um, all the iterations that this congregation was. I got to, to be a part of all of them except for the COVID version of it, uh, which you all have weathered well. Um, seeing you now, there are a couple things I want to say that aren't included in the sermon that I probably, if I was a better planner, would have realized I wanted to speak to. Uh, the first is that uh, I really do want to honor uh, you and your leadership uh, for thriving through COVID. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but if uh, I'm a bit of a church nerd, and so I do lots of reading. I look at all the stats. I figure out what people are saying. I meet with other pastors. I find out what's happening, not because I have any significant influence, just because I want to learn and understand what's happening. And the last two years have been impossibly hard uh, to lead through and to navigate, and that you all are still walking together as a testimony of God's faithfulness and your endurance in the faith. And so I know that if you were part of uh, Grace Covenant pre-COVID, you could be discouraged by uh, what feels like a remnant. But remnant is the beginning of revival. What happens is it, 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 there will be a waning and an exit, and then there's a remnant who say, no, this matters, and this is important, and we're going to bring about the kingdom of heaven everywhere that we go. We are going to encounter Christ, experience community, and extend the kingdom together. And as that revelation takes hold in your own soul, and you're able to carry that truth out with you into the community that you live in, uh, then, then awakening occurs and other people will come to the knowledge of Jesus, to come to know, trust, and follow him with their lives. And I just want to celebrate where you are, and I'll speak to that a little bit at the end of this sermon as well. Uh, but Pastor Eddie, uh, maybe I, I can't think of anybody who more gave me an appetite uh, for the word, uh, for the Bible. Uh, to, to press into the Bible, and that is one of the absolute greatest gifts that your pastor brings to the table, is this, this uh, reverence for and, and excitement about the word. Don't miss it. It's unique. It's rare, in the, it's rare in the world, but it's important, and it will change your life if you let it. Um, I, I, just so you know, we're doing well. In, um, in, in Denver, uh, my family is growing. The, the congregation, we survived COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so we're, we're advancing the kingdom. We, we uh, got kicked out of the building that we were meeting in because of fire marshal issues with our landlord. And so three, four weeks ago, I guess, we... Actually, this is kind of funny. I'll bring you in. So uh, about five weeks ago, I was in Eugene, Oregon. And I got a call from my bride who was at the church office. And she said, hey, the fire marshal came. Um, and there are some problems with the building uh, that, that we were not privy to that have not been fixed and we're not allowed to meet there anymore. And so this was, this was Saturday. 
And, um, you know, we got church today. So we canceled service. We met on Zoom. And then we moved to the college campus. So we're meeting downtown Denver on the college campus where 40,000 commuter students meet. And uh, we're, we're actively reaching out there on the campus and trusting God for remarkable things to happen. And then this morning, I got a call um, out of town again. If you want to know. So you said the grandpa. Yeah, I feel like a grandpa. Church planting, man. I'm like, that's why I'm leaning on the podium. It's not a look. I'm just tired. So I get a call in, and they were like, so hey, you know that storage unit that we're using now that we moved into last week, Sunday after church, because we can't get into the old building anymore. So uh, yeah, so they said it was open 24-7, and I think it's open 24-7 in their hearts, but not in reality. So they're doing an unplugged service this Sunday, um, not because it strategically matters um, or is special to us, uh, but because we can't get our equipment to the, to, the, to the building, so bless the Lord. So I'm not, I'm not actually, I'm still the do-what-you're-told guy, uh, be it the fire marshal or the city or the health department or whatever. I don't think we'll ever grow out of that position, but praise be to God. <laughs> We're doing well. All right, so let's get into the word. That's what we came here for. Uh, today's message is going to come from John chapter 6, verse 56. I'm doing one verse that's not pulled out of context. It really summarizes all of chapter 6. And the message is titled, Best Meal Ever. Best Meal Ever. Before we get into this, I want you to consider, what is the best meal you ever had and what made it the best meal? I can think of lots of best meals of different categories. I remember being in Lithuania in 2001. And it was watermelon and bread. And it changed my life. They were putting salt on the watermelon, which I had never thought to do. So there's some believers on the left side, or stage left, room right. There's some believers over here. Give it a try next time you're checking out some watermelon. I remember having a, uh, a steak in Olpe, Kansas. Population like 300. And it was the first animal that I had ever eaten whose name I knew. But I could eat it with a spoon. It was so tender and wonderful and good. It changed my life. Somebody once bought me one of those like $120 buffalo steaks, right? Amazing. Amazing. And then there are the meals that were, that were tasty but extraordinary because of the company. You ever have one of those meals? And you're like, I actually don't know if it was the restaurant or the people. You ever gone somewhere and you're like, I got to go back to this place because the food was so good. And you go back and you're like, yeah, that's not good. It might have been that I was just desperately hungry or it could have been just the fellowship around this meal was so good. I didn't know the difference between it because the fellowship made the meal taste so much better than it was. Do you have your meal in mind? Do you remember how the meal made you feel after the fact? There are some meals that are extraordinary when you're eating them, but, but it's devastating when you're done with it. You know those? And then you've got to kind of measure that. So I am of the gluten-free variety of food because my joints swell up if I eat gluten. And so it's real. It's not pretend. It's something that happens. You could test me on it, and it will be real, and I'll hurt for three days, and it's awful. And then, like Jesus, I rise again, and then I'll rinse and repeat later. But so the gluten-free thing is like, but every once in a while, there's a kind of food that I'm like, you know what? I could do without the next three days. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phone this one in. I'm going to take calls from home because that bonchon. You know, just a couple times a year you got to do it. So I don't know what your food is. But in John chapter 6, Jesus is offering us a food that will change our life. Not just change the life that we have, but a food that will offer us eternal life. And I want you to read with me John chapter 6, verse 56. It says this, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us today to get excited about your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Actually, I think I told you guys verse 54, so we'll read that too. So who are, no, did I say that right? This, I don't know. It's early in Denver, man. This time change and I lost an hour? Either way, it's all the same, and we'll, we'll talk about all of it anyway. Today I want to talk about the what, the who, the when, and the why of this meal that Jesus is offering us of himself. But before we do that, I want to make two observations. One, a lot of theologians have wrestled over what in the world is happening right here. Are they talking about actual communion? Are they talking about transubstantiation where, where like Jesus's body, where like we take the cracker and it turns into his flesh or we take the blood and or we take the juice or the wine and it turns into his blood. Is that what's happening? And then they wrestle with what, what really was he getting at? And I think oftentimes those kind of conversations actually get in the way of the point that he was trying to make. Observation number two, it really is as weird as it sounds. Like what Jesus is offering the people in this moment is as jarring as it could be. And let's not be so spiritual that we miss how absolutely insane this would have sounded to the people who were hearing it at the time. Now, Pastor Eddie has challenged you with some remarkable, diff remarkably difficult ideas over the last couple of years. And through COVID, you had to wrestle with some very difficult ideas. But never did he stand up and say, the way to have eternal life is to eat me. Can you even imagine what that would sound like? Can you even imagine to a people who, who know that cannibalism is wrong and offensive and an affront to God to say, hey, the way that you're going to get there is not through my teaching. It's not through the law. It's not through these other things. Eat me and drink my blood. Like, however, like, I can't make it that uncomfortable. But they would have been wildly caught off guard and made extraordinarily uncomfortable by that idea. And the context of this verse doesn't make it any easier. Sometimes when you look at the context of what's happening in the passage, you're like, wow, Jesus said a really hard thing right there. And then you read the context and you're like, oh, it makes sense. But when you look at this, you, were like, you realize that all throughout chapter 6, he's talking about bread and life and everlasting life. And, and it really just sets up and he triples down on this challenge for them to eat his flesh and to drink his blood to receive eternal life. The context, if anything, he's like, you thought that was weird? Let me say it again. You thought that was a difficult challenge? Let me challenge you again and again. Let me reiterate this challenge. Let me reiterate this offer and this invitation to you again and again, making it more and more difficult for them to, to like dismiss it. You know, if somebody misspeaks once, you're like, oh, maybe he didn't mean that. 
Maybe it's just, maybe he meant something else. We'll sort it out later. Maybe that was really, you know, some sort of deep thing that he was talking about. And then he's like, no, 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 that, that's what I meant to say. And you're like, no, Jesus, really, we're going to give you another chance to change your mind. And he's like, yeah, I, I said what I said. And I, and I meant it. And this is what Jesus did in this moment. And, um, the, the, this, this moment is an extraordinary one for me. I love chapter 6 because Jesus feeds the 5,000 with a, with a kid's lunch. And they were like, let's make Jesus the king. And he's like, you're missing the point. I don't want to be your king in that way. I want to advance the kingdom of heaven. I'm not interested in that because that, will, that, that is something that, 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 is, that is of this plane only, but I'm doing something far above and beyond what you could think. I'm, I'm doing something more important and more enduring and more lasting and more life-giving than anything that could be done in any human government. And then he walks on, on, on water and, and he has this, and because everybody's like, it's like, so they went across, the disciples left that moment, they crossed on a boat, Jesus didn't go with them, and then the next day they all see him over on the other side and they're like, hey, there weren't any boats. How, how, did, how did he get here? And then, after both of these things happening, they had the nerve to ask Jesus for a sign. They're like, will you give us a sign? Now, if I was Jesus, I would have been like, you mean when I fed everybody with that kid's lunch? Or how about the fact that we're even having this conversation and I didn't take a boat? How about them apples? Not impressive enough for you? You want a sign? I'm the sign. And they're like, well, God gave manna to the Israelites in the desert. What are you going to do to show us that we can trust you? What are you going to do to prove that you're from heaven? He's like, okay. You can eat me. <laughs> eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> That'll be your sign. There's a Jeff Foxworthy. He's a comedian. There's your sign. He's like, I got your sign. So let's talk about what you're eating. What you eat matters. And I hate that. I hate it. During COVID, I made, during the lockdowns, I got really good at making cobbler. Even better at eating it. Because sometimes I would make it and be like, not very good today. Maybe the next bite will be good. And you know, you had to eat the whole thing. I had a friend who lost his sense of taste uh, because of COVID, and somebody made him brownies, not special brownies, just regular brownies. And, you know, the Denver thing, I get it. So, so he, he had these brownies, and, and he, was like, he was like, so I couldn't taste them, and I was really depressed, so I ate the whole, I ate the whole thing. <laughs> and I was like, I get that. You're just kind of hoping the next bite will be the one that breaks through whatever COVID broke in his brain, you know, and, and so, so I, I, I get that. But what we eat does was matter. It does matter. So culture is largely shaped uh, primarily by language and food. Have you ever noticed how important both of those things are? Pastor Eddie and I were talking today about, about the importance of our heart languages. And that um, I love it when, when somebody prays in their native tongue. 
You know, sometimes people grow up speaking one language, and then they learn Christianity in another language, and then, and, but, but there's a disconnect in their, in their heart from what they know to be true in their spirit and their mind about salvation until they learn to pray in their native tongue because there's something about the language that, that cultivates and shapes our heart's orientation towards things. And when I say heart, I do mean your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So it doesn't just live here, but somehow right here in the most inner parts of us, it, it works best to point here, doesn't it? Can't we, we, we can just acknowledge that. So I know my heart is not here. It's physiologically, it's here. But there is that innermost part of us that David talks about in Psalms that, that needs recognition because it's a longing that bypasses any biological system or process. Another thing that shapes it is food. And, and um, that's what I love about a diverse church is the food. Uh, Sharon, I'm not going to lie. I'm dying for some Indian food. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I, I just, there is nothing like what you used to make. And, and I, like, I've tried all the restaurants in Denver, and I've left very disappointed every time. And, um, but there's something about the way their culture, in Indian culture, uh, like it, it is, intertwines itself with the food of that culture, where the food reflects the people and the circumstances and the moment and the geography. And uh, I, when my family and I had COVID, we watched a lot of food documentaries. I, I heard about this mole that people make, you know, and it, and it grows on top of each other. You're like, mole, you know, it's like 130 years of mole or something like that. And, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And they just keep layering in the flavor, but it's all local flavors. So it's a mole that you can only get in this one little tiny village. And, and I'm like, I need to go to that village and eat that mole. They talked about this place where there's this, there are these ants that come out during the flood season for like three days and they crush up the ants and they use them in, in the food. And they're like, there's no flavor in the world like it. And it's like, I need to know that flavor. Like in my mouth. I know it exists in my brain. I need to know it in my mouth. I talked to you about watermelon and salt. And you're like, hey, I don't even think it makes sense in my brain. But you need to know it in your mouth. And, and what you realize is what, what made that, that meal in Lithuania so special to me is that it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And we had just gone swimming in a lake under a full moon. And so I have enjoyed watermelon with salt and bread since then. Um, now with the gluten-free variety. So it's never going to be as good. But we've had that moment, and it was, it, was, it was special, and it was shaping. But what made it special is that that was their life. That was their routine. And I was stepping in to something completely unlike anything else I had ever experienced. A 5 o'clock dinner, rush off to soccer practice, exhaust myself, do the homework, and go to bed had been my life. And I was being invited into a way of life where they stayed up later where they spent time laughing and doing nothing and then eating this last meal together at some obscenely late hour of night or early morning. And that was their routine. They were inviting me not just to have sustenance, but to, to be a part of their culture, to be invited into their family. Food is a program. And so when you eat certain food, it gets certain results. And so certain foods, like I alluded to earlier, uh, you eat it and it makes you sleepy, like fast. Right? You're just filled with instant regret. And you're like, oh, this is not going to, I'm not going to be good for anything after this. Uh, somebody asked me yesterday, they were like, you want to grab some food before you head back? I was like, no, I got some work to do. And nothing I want to eat right now would be good for getting work done. And so let's not do that. Let's hold off on, on that because I need coffee. I need at 
4 o'clock in the afternoon. I needed the program that was going to make me awake and get stuff done, right? So there's, there's food that goes both directions. The diet that you're eating directly contributes to the amount of energy and life that you exhibit. Now, I'm talking biologically, but now let's move to a spiritual dynamic. Jesus was up to something here. And he was offering them the opportunity to consume something that would transform them and make them new. Something really remarkable about the food that we eat is that the food that we eat actually becomes a part of us. That's disturbing if you eat the kind of diet that I eat. I love nachos. There it is. If there's an over-under for nachos, it just happened. I love nachos. I love it. I love the melted cheese. I love the, 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 the veggies or the meat or the whatever's on it. I just, I love them. But then I think about the fact that those nachos are imprinting something on my body, and that's kind of troubling. When you realize that, like, you can look at the diet that somebody ate by studying their bones, you realize that the food you eat is marking you so deeply, it's all the way down on the deepest parts of you. It's written into your body. So that 150, 300 years, 500 years, 1,000 years from now, people will be able to look at your bones and know what you ate. That's troubling, isn't it? You're like, dang, I'm rethinking my lunch plans. (laughs) Jesus is inviting people to consume something altogether different than the world had to offer. And he's saying, I want you not just to to follow me. I don't want you just to be around me. I don't want you to be wowed by me. I'm not here to just give you signs. I want you to consume me. I want you to be so inside of me that I'm so inside of you that I shape your, I reshape who you are in the deepest parts of you. Did you know that what you eat while you're pregnant or gentlemen, what you eat when you're in the process of trying to conceive shapes the health of your contribution to getting pregnant? So there's a generational impact to the food that we're eating as we're eating it. So Jesus isn't just saying, I want to shape you. I want to change you and be in the innermost parts of you. I want to be generationally impacting you. I want this to be so much a part of you that it shapes your life, it rewires your life, and it rewires the generations. That what you are consuming when you're engaging the city that you live in is going to have an impact on the people that you're engaging. What is it that you're going to give them? What culture are you inviting them into? And so I think I said we're gonna talk about the, the, the who next. And so two who's. Who is invited to this eternal life? Who is invited to live forever? And who are you eating with? It says whoever. Y'all, this is great news. It doesn't say the pastor. It doesn't say the elders or the deacons or the worship leaders. It doesn't say the sound guys. It doesn't say the master's degree or the doctorate. It doesn't say uh, any sort of degree at all. It says whoever is eating. Whoever eats of my blood and drinks eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood. That is the person who will inherit this and be changed forever. So that is 
That is great news. And like I already alluded to, Jesus is inviting them, not just as individuals to consume him and to be changed and transformed by him, but he's inviting the group of people to to eat of him and to be transformed by him. And so what Jesus is after, I believe, right here, is he's saying, I want you to consume me, and I want to be the thing that defines your culture so that you as a people who follow me would be substantively different than everybody else in the world. I want to establish a new culture of people who are feasting on my presence, who are feasting on my flesh, who are so consumed by my broken body and resurrected body that, that, that you're changed forever. And he's creating a new people who are going to be identified by that. Not just watermelon at one o'clock in the morning with salt. He's inviting them to feast on his blood and his flesh. He's inviting that to be the, de- the defining thing for their culture. That when you're together, you're going to be the kind of people that you invite people in to consume this with you. You, you feel it? I don't know. That was really exciting to me. I imagined something different in my mind. But, but it's, it's like, it, do you get it? Are you following? He's inviting you all to be different and to be different together. And to allow the consuming of the word and the consuming of his presence to be something that makes you remarkably different from everybody else. So that when you meet somebody on the street, you say, hey, come with me to church. We're going to do something a little bit different than you've ever done before. But I promise you, it'll change your life. It won't just change your life, but it'll change the generations. So whoever, let's talk about when. It's just good news on top of good news on top of good news. The language that Jesus uses in this moment is it, it, it's not just whoever eats like past tense, but it's whoever is eating and whoever is drinking. And here again, I think we see uh, a reflection of our, of our natural and our biological lives to our spiritual reality. It's a, I think the metaphor works itself out very well for us because I had you think at the beginning of this message about a meal that changed you, but that wasn't the last time you ate, was it? You've eaten since then, and you're going to eat again today and tomorrow and the next day. And there are going to be moments where you eat something remarkable that changes your life. But, but the reality is you're sustained by just ongoing meals that don't seem to be extraordinary to you. And so it is in the Christian life that on Monday morning, we wake up and spend time with Jesus. Or you get to work and spend time with Jesus in the afternoon or the evening, whenever you do. But there's that time where you consume the truth of the gospel that Jesus' body was broken so that we could be healed. There are these times where you, you, you eat throughout the week, and then on Sunday, somebody else has made food for you. And if there's anything that I learned during COVID, I really do prefer other people's cooking more than my own sometimes. But I'm sustained by my own eating. So what I'm, what I'm saying is when we live in community and the whoever part of this is that, is that we eat on our own every single day, but every once in a while you get to get together and you get to have a potluck and Pastor Eddie has prepared something for the family on Sunday morning. So that when you show up to small group, somebody's prepared some meals for you. Somebody's got some appetizers for you so that you can eat that. And it's always more fun to eat 
at somebody else's house or something that somebody else has made because you don't have to clean up the mess. (laughs) Flavors are different. And in a church like this, in a church like yours, there are all kinds of different skills and talents that people are bringing into the kitchen that make it wonderful beyond belief. You get this mixing of of ideas and ingredients and perspectives and, and all being led by the Holy Spirit to this meal that would make no sense on its own, but then when you look at the people who made it, you're like, that makes perfect sense. Salt on watermelon. Some people swear by peanut butter and mayonnaise. I don't have that much courage, but there is a man. I see you. Oreos and guacamole. You're in college, aren't you? We all made mistakes in college. <laughs> That's when we're eating. Just continually, don't stop. You didn't stop eating because you had a good meal. Good meal sends you in pursuit of the next good one, doesn't it? You're like, all right. Something I like to do is I like to look at all sorts of different recipes. And then I'm like, so how did you make that? And then I'm like, I like that from over there and that from over there and that from right there. Let's figure out if we put these together and throw it in the air fryer. (laughs) Sometimes it gets weird. (laughs) But sometimes it's absolutely extraordinary. And as you live together, you get that experience. You get a revelation from J.C. Pastor J.C., come on, somebody. (laughs) From Pastor Jermaine, from Pastor Eddie, from Karen and David. The contribution of Rex and Lucas. uh, Rex and Lucas, Rex and Lucas. That's your first and last name. (laughs) God wants to do something special here that will be birthed out of a people that are consuming him and allowing him to shape the deepest parts of you and the deepest parts of one another. You think about where we are as a culture, they're saying that, they're saying that the stress indexes are higher than they've, they've ever been. We're basically, we're losing our minds with stress. That with COVID, the economy, I don't want to stress you out, but I'm going to list some of the things. Ukraine, India launched a missile into Pakistan. I was like, my bad. Said it was an accident. Um, Missiles were launched from Iran to Iraq last night. Right, like it's a stressful, it's a stressful time. And if we're consuming CNN or pick your news source, if that's what we're consuming, and food has a program, the program's gonna run in my body, and then I'm gonna get the result of the food that I'm eating. I wish it was something different. They say that, they say that your fitness is like 80% diet or 90% diet. And I'm like, that's not fair. 
Because I really want to eat whatever I want to eat and then work out and then make it go away, but I, but I can't. Because I eat what I eat and then I don't want to work out. And that's not the agreement I have with food in my heart. <laughs> but that's the reality of God's design for us and God is offering us a different program. That he's inviting us to be a different kind of people where we would consume his flesh and his blood and let that be the thing that forms us and shapes us in this time. Instead of the news. The news wants to feed you news so you watch more news so that you'll watch more news so that you'll watch more news. Because when you watch more news, they get more money. And that's the program. Jesus is saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and live. He's like, you could choose these other programs and these other foods, but, but I've got one for you that's going to bring you life. A few verses later, he says, live forever. We're invited to live forever as we consume him. Y'all, that's good news. As I was preparing this message, I, it started with an idea that I told Pastor I was, I was excited, excited about. And then the more I looked at it and the more I pressed into it, the less excited I got because I realized I've got some real diet problems. Got some real diet problems. Like I, I want something different than the food that I'm putting into my body, but what's happening in my soul is exactly the program that's supposed to run from it. And so I was like, maybe I need to turn down the news. And so as a result of preparing for this message, I, I had my wife set the password on my screen time for social media. And now I get about three minutes of Instagram, three minutes of Facebook, and a little bit more of YouTube, but not enough to even finish a sermon. And I can't tell you, I've been left with more cliffhangers than, than I could shake a stick at. In the first couple days, it was maddening. Like, I wanted to go crazy. I was, I was like, I, I mean, I was, I was, I, I was jonesing for some social media. I needed it so bad. I wanted it so deep. Like, the deepest parts of me were like, I need Instagram. What's happening in Ukraine? I must know. Like, I'm going to shape the policy or something like that. Like, well, God, it's so I can pray. Yeah, right. The church can, can the church can and should be an epicenter of creativity and life and leadership, and hope, and peace, and joy for the world. But she will only be that. You will only be that. We will only be that if we make our primary diet one of the flesh and the blood of Jesus, of his humility and of his life. To let that be our primary orientation to the world that together this is something that unites us and makes us different. That together we consume this. Together we delight in it. Together we look forward to the next meal. 
together. We look forward to the next appetizers. We look forward to the next moment, this night of worship that's coming, that together we look forward to Friday night because we know that something special is going to be prepared on Friday night that's going to hit a little different than it hit on Sunday morning. It's an amazing thing, like I said, to have made it through COVID as a church and to be as strong as you are now. That alone is extraordinary. But that wasn't the finish line. Family, I invite you to a new starting line. And um, when I was in high school, I ran cross country. And uh, before the races, we had, we had these carb nights. And I'll, I'm, I'm all finished with this. We had these carb nights where we, we'd go and we'd just eat obscene amounts of pasta that we really didn't need for a three-mile race. It's really what you're supposed to do for marathons, but don't let a little truth get in the way of a good meal. We just need an excuse to gorge ourselves on food. But we ate because we knew what was coming and we wanted to be ready for it. We knew that there was a race that we were going to run and we needed to eat certain food for it. Family, I introduce you to the race of the advancement of the kingdom of heaven in this city on the Route 7 corridor to see this area transformed by the gospel so that you can first be transformed by the gospel then see our city transformed by the gospel all because we change our diet. We allow that to be the thing that shapes and forms us. So how do we do that? We do that by eating together. We do that by getting in the word by ourselves. We do that by remembering the goodness of our risen Savior throughout the week. We do it by praying in the car. We do it by meditating on his word. We certainly do it by taking communion. And I mean, how cool is communion when you think of it this way, that, that what you're doing is you're actually taking that in and it's actually gonna become a part of you. Like your body's gonna break it down and it's gonna take it and it's gonna like shove it into you. And okay, one last thought. I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm just so excited seeing everybody. Last thought. Food has a program, and if you run the program, it works. So you eat an apple, you want to walk, right? Like, you, you can walk. You've got energy to work. Do you know what happens to things, to, to, the, to, the, to the program that you don't run? Uh, so let, let me say this differently. I'll just say it bluntly. If you eat more than you work, you get fat. And I would encourage you that there's a risk of eating, that that's all that you do. And you forget that the eating is so you can do the work ahead of you. God has a work ahead of you, Grace Covenant Sterling, to bring the hope of the gospel to life everywhere your foot treads. Not just on Sunday morning, but also in line at Target or Walmart or Safeway, also in line uh, at Taco Bell, in Bonchon. God has work ahead for you, and the food he has prepared for you to accomplish this work is himself. Father, help us change our diet, change our expectation. Father, I ask that you would even 
change our, got to change our appetite. In a time when so many of us are stressed, in a time when so many of us are troubled, God, I ask that you would reveal to us what you would have us consume instead. That we would be people who give ourselves to your words, that give ourselves to your life and to the revelation of your resurrection and light of your brokenness. Father, I ask that you would release us from a sense of overwhelm and that the invitation to feast on your presence alone and together to be fueled for the mission of bringing about the kingdom of heaven in this city God let that be let that be an invitation that doesn't grow old or faint or weary for the weary person today The body and blood of Jesus is better than an energy bar. It brings life. To the sick, sick of heart, sick of mind, this is the food that heals. Even better than the manna given in the wilderness. God gives himself fully and freely to us so that we could be sustained, so that we could be transformed in this life and for the life to come according to his loving kindness. In Jesus' name.